0: Welcome to the Elevating Athletes podcast, where we talk about raising up athletes to succeed in sports and life. This podcast is for anyone involved in helping athletes achieve their dreams, from parents, coaches, sports medicine teams, or anyone else that guides athletes to success. Thanks for joining us. All right, welcome to the Elevating Athletes podcast. Thank you for joining us again. Um, We are super excited about our guest today. Uh, I am Dr. Tim Puckett, physical therapist, owner of Puckett Physical Therapy, and we have a great guest with us this morning, Dr. Julie Wernick, owner of Texas Center for Sports Psychology. Uh, She specializes in clinical and sports psychology. Uh, She was a four-year starter at the University of North Florida as a softball shortstop, and she was a competitive flag football quarterback in college, earning All-America honors as the nation's best female QB. That's pretty incredible. Um, Dr. J, thank you so much for joining us this morning.
1: Yeah, I'm super excited to be here.
0: So give us a little more background uh, about yourself, Um, and also tell us what your favorite sport is other than softball.
1: Oh man, that's a tough one. I uh, grew up playing a lot of baseball, dad was a baseball player, um, so the love for softball baseball is there, uh, but when I was a kid I always wanted to do tennis, uh, so now uh, fortunately I retired from softball at 38, I play um, competitive tennis now, I like to watch it, um, but quite honestly I love, I love basketball, volleyball, um, any, any sport with a ball I, I really enjoy.
0: That's awesome. So, give us a little background um, about your education and what is sports psychology?
1: That's a great question. So, you know, years ago when I grew up, I never even really heard about sports psychology. Mental health was not really talked about as much. I wish I would have had sports psychology services as a kid um, just because uh, the mental game was so important, but I just didn't, no one really knew what it was or talked about it. So, growing up playing multiple sports, I feel like my calling was to be an athlete, but then when I went to college, I had to pick a career and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like a professional baseball player, but unfortunately, as a woman, that wasn't gonna happen. Uh, I actually had an injury that prompted me originally into being a physical therapist, thought about that as a career. Uh, My mom thought, you know, be independent, get a career, so I went into teaching and I had my, actually, my undergraduate degrees in teaching and coaching, but that just wasn't feeling right to me. And then had another injury, which we'll talk later in college uh, as a shortstop, I hurt my shoulder. So dealing with my injuries and then also dealing with my own sports performance as far as coming back from errors, being trying to be perfect, uh, that kind of led me into sports psychology my junior year. So my injuries, coaching influences, my own struggles with my own performance, Uh, led me to take some sports like classes i didn't know if i want to actually like listen to people's problems other than (laughs) sports but i am so grateful because now i kind of work with an athlete not just with their sports performance but also coming back from injuries dealing with coaching issues Um, and overall the, the the grateful piece of my job is i'm dealing with the total mental health of the athlete which i think is even more important than the sports performance because We all know that sports should be fun and should be a hobby, but unfortunately, um, you know, we put a lot of pressures on and we'll talk about that and and how it can lead to even injuries and overuse. But I feel like the the best part of my job is really helping an athlete be a happier human being um, and really enhance the relationships between the athletes and their parents is even more important. So it's, it's really been a, an interesting journey and the, the original motivation was to help athletes with and teams be the best they can be on the field. Because that's, that's my really passion is I love helping the athlete rebound from competition or being resilient after a mistake or having a team lose and having them fight back um, where it creates slumps. But more importantly, injuries, um, dealing with coaching and also my passion for help changing the coaching world and then number 1 is really helping the overall athlete navigate their their happiness in life um other than just being a performer.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. That yeah, we can't separate sport from life and from relationships and from family. You mentioned you know an athlete having a good relationship with their parents you know we can't separate that stuff it's it's all intertwined and and that's really really great that that you take that broad approach even though you do specialize with athletes um, mm-hmm. the overall mental health of of the athlete is more important than just the game
1: yeah and yesterday I was sitting um, at a baseball tournament in Franklin one of the other moms was sitting there and she said she she didn't grow up playing sports she said she grew up with a lot of girls and pink carpet and but uh, she said that there are so many takeaways from being an athlete as far as like life lessons, you know? I mean, and that's really what it is. I really value my sports participation, I think, and in, in coming back from loss and failure and injuries and um, grit and, and resilience training. So it's like, it's so much more than just the act of playing that I think that we, we don't realize that we need to have in mind when we raise our children that you know, what are we really teaching them and what, what is the real reason for their why in sports participation? It's, it's for fun, but it's also learning how to cope with, with life and it's not always fair.
0: Oh yeah, that's, that's a great, great point, no doubt. So uh, the, the Olympics were um, played recently and one of the big topics was Simone Biles and, and she was outspoken about her mental health. So let's address the issue of mental health. Um, why are there stigmas around mental health? And, you know, why do people look down on, on mental health issues? And why are we afraid to talk about it?
1: Right. Well, I think, I think that's a complicated question, but I think, I think fear and being vulnerable, I think a lot of us, I mean, all of us can relate that it's difficult to open up and talk about our weaknesses or fears or sadness with another human being. So, you know, being vulnerable to someone else and what that means, I think a lot of people, you know, view it as being a weakness, you know. And I think it comes out to the old school model of suck it up mentality, you know. So if you cry and you show sadness, then you're weak, you know. So I think it comes from the stigma, I think, comes originally from the mentality and also, suck it up even with, with an injury. Mm-hmm. But I think, number one, I think it's a we minimize and rationalize, and we don't really listen. We don't listen and validate when someone's upset. We tell them to get over it, or why do you, or um, we invalidate them, or we say, you know, why are you upset? Like, get over it. Um, but honestly, some people just are different. There's a continuum on people getting over things. You know, you can have one person and they can have a quote unquote trauma. And they respond and bounce back very quickly, but other people, it may stick longer. You know? So I think it's very much case by case, and we need to listen to our kids, and we need to listen to people that you know life is difficult, and it's okay to show emotion, it's okay to ask for help. So I think number one, I think there's a perceptual weakness that if you cry or you need help, that something's wrong with you. you know? So number two, I think people don't want to spend the make the sacrifice. Financially, also, or saying, "Oh, well, I can just deal with it myself." Like coming back from an injury or right. um, confidence. I get a lot of parents that wish they would have brought their kids in earlier, because they think that the problem is just going to kind of go away by itself. They're struggling, like in in, um, in in the game situation. So I think that's part of it. Uh, and I think the other piece that we and this is why I'm glad we're having the conversation is the the coaches and the physical therapists and the doctors and the support trainers and all the support staff who see these kids on a regular basis need to be an advocate for for me because if they're seeing you guys on the forefront you the the medical community sees a lot more athletes than i see
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know and they need to be look at the red flags or you know or see when you have maybe an overinvolved parent you know, or a kid that may be struggling, or no, you guys need to know what are those red flags. So I think that having a talk like this where, you know, people can hear me and think, oh, she's not so, you know, (laughs) scary, you know, like, um, because I think the perception of going into seeing a shrink, you know, is, oh God, like, and I get it too. I mean, I was, I went to counseling and I remember it was difficult to be able to face your vulnerabilities, but that was the best thing I ever did for myself. And I think we also need to look at mental health as not that you're crazy or something's wrong with you, but just like physical health and mental health is just like strength training. So you don't right. have to be sick or you don't have to be in a depressed state to go to a sports psychologist. You know, I think I think it's better, in my opinion, when kids are younger and it's like learning skills. You know, so like a quarterback learns how to throw the ball, a baseball player learns how to have a really good swing. But I think the younger you learn these skills, the more automatic they can be, versus coming to me when the kids sometimes sixteen or seventeen and they have like a deep seated root of perfectionism and it. it's harder for me because to me at eighteen, the older you get, the more deeper rooted into who you are. It's harder to change when you get older. Right. So if you're younger, you can start learning not to be ashamed or embarrassed when you make a mistake. You know? So I like I wish parents sometimes brought their kids, and it doesn't have to be every week, but even like once every two weeks or once a month, you know, where they're learning how to cope with failure and they're, they're having learning about routines um, and they're learning how to deal with the stresses of coaches and more, more like a strength training approach versus a negative. So I think it's like we all, we kind of look at when people hear mental health, I think they hear weakness or fear or vulnerability where you know, that's where I think the stigma comes. So I think it's a combination of, I, I don't think our country is doing a good enough job. And we're waiting for, like, Michael Phelps and Sabone Biles. We're waiting for these celebrities to come out and say, you know, it's okay or I need help. But there's millions of people right now that are struggling and they're isolating in their rooms and they're depressed. And and that brings, you know, up the, the Stanford. I don't really know what happened. I don't know all the details of what happened to that but all I know is she was a high-achieving female who must have been very smart and must have been very talented. So it makes me sad that you get to the place because I think it's normal to get to a place where life is hard and you're just like, oh gosh, I don't want to wake up tomorrow morning because life is sucks. But to come to a point where you're that hopeless to take one's life, I wonder what went wrong. What went wrong? There were a lot of things that went wrong. You know, was she, you know, so hard on herself that she couldn't just forgive herself to the point of hopelessness? That there's just no one that can do anything for her. So it makes me sad as a sports psychologist that it got to that level.
0: Right, right. Mm-hmm. Man, that, that's such a great point. We especially when it comes to mental health, we don't we don't train for having good mental health. We wait for issues to arise. And sometimes we do something about it, and sometimes we even don't. And I think that goes for America's healthcare in general, most of the time we're reactive versus preventative. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we view mental health and mental performance more like strength training, I love that you put it that way. Um, Athletes, we know that we should be strength training throughout our entire career because that's going to make us a better athlete. Mm -hmm. Why don't we strength train our mind throughout our entire career because that will make us a better athlete and a better person as well right wow that is great that is really really good um now you mentioned it's important for parents coaches physical therapists for all of us to know and and see the red flags in an athlete Mm -hmm. of when they may be having an issue and and need help what are some of those red flags so that we're all aware of them and and we can help our athletes well
1: i know one of the things that inspired me is was to be a physical therapist because I love my physical therapist when I um tore my ACL you know so I think I had you know three major injuries that I overcame One number one was a broken fibula but the good thing about it was a broken ankle it was pretty you know six to eight weeks You're back I didn't have a lot of physical therapy um but my physical therapist when I tore my ACL my senior year it was a it was a really great relationship because it's special because I think like physical therapists and hairdressers and bartenders are all like <laughs> pseudo counselors uh, because you spend a lot of time, you know. Right. When someone comes in, you know, have a drink, you know, they're opening up to them and your hairdresser. Or your, uh, so you're physical. So I really like the one on one time with my physical therapist. I feel like you. You know, I don't know how nowadays it was, but back in 1992, we spent a lot of time with our physical therapist. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, they say times are changing, where you have the assistant and all that, but that's a whole, that's different. Not in our practice. No, that's good. <laughs> that's good because that's the time when you, when you're there and they're struggling. You know, they're at their. It's a vulnerable time. It hurts. You know, and and if you're a supportive, kind human being, like we all need to be then people are going to be willing, and they trust you, they're going to be willing to open up to you. So I think that's where I feel like you guys can come in and be on the forefront of my referral, you know, and and may help helping them on their journey. And if, the, if, they, if you think they need additional support, that's when you can kind of, what does that additional support look like? Well, obviously, you can ask questions, you know, how are they sleeping, are they eating? Or you can say, well, how is, you know, asking a specific question like, you know how is this injury affecting you or how do you feel about being injured just asking yeah. an open-ended question and let them kind of talk and if they say oh my gosh like you know it, i'm I'm worried or i'm anxious or you know i'm not sleeping well or you can see that they really need to process a lot like they're talking a lot and you can't give them that time you know and mm-hmm. you know that there's a lot on there you can feel it then that's when you may make a call and say hey you know physical therapy having my card out and say hey maybe maybe you should talk to them because i've had recently i've had numerous parents call me which i'm so excited about that says my daughter's really struggling from like an acl mm-hmm. because she was like coming ninth grade coming prime fighting for a position like rising in there and all of a sudden they're like stuck on the sidelines you know and they're crying a lot um, you know so I think and the other thing is call me and say hey I'm not sure you know if this is a risky you know high risk situation but you could always say hey put it out there but the, you guys have to be comfortable referring to a sports psychologist too right you know right. and you have to also be comfortable with emotions because if you're not comfortable with talking about emotions they're not going to be comfortable talking about emotions
0: Right. Yeah, right great point
1: so that's always, it always starts with yourself, so you have to be, um, you know, allow them the opportunity. But if you shut them down at the first sign of emotion, you may be losing some key, you know, key points. Right. So.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, so yeah, just being attentive and, and asking those open-ended questions is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from your experience, what are some of the, the biggest problems that we see today in youth sports?
1: Well, that's a... these are really great questions (laughs) (laughs) so I feel like growing up the advantages that I had was we played multiple sports you know so I remember playing my state championship volleyball team a lot of us didn't play select volleyball it was crazy yeah we were just talented now I know it's it could be a little apples and oranges now if we put up that team versus the team now you know today because a lot of these girls have been playing select right but what i'm seeing is that anytime you play do one thing for your entire life and you put all your eggs in that one basket there are some red flags right number one is the overuse injury issue because you're if you if you only play baseball uh since six or seven you know, you're using the same muscle groups over and over, so it's just like basically having a car and putting mileage on your car. And the more mileage you have in your car, the more chances of those parts wearing off, right? right. And wearing, wearing down. Right. So we got to be very careful. But I think the problem is we live in in a world of a little bit of a rat race, because I'll get parents and I'll, the kid will come in at 15 or 16, and I can see that they're what's called staleness. Is they're kind of like staleness is like pre burnout. And they start, I can feel their borderline stale and they're getting borderline burnout. And, then I, and, if I, and, by, and and sometimes I'll do like a depression inventory or I'll ask questions and I'm like, oh gosh, like, this person is getting depressed. And I'll say, well, what about taking a break? And they're like, oh, I don't know if I can take a break. Because if I take a break from the sport, gymnastics, cheerleading, a lot of these one-sport athletes, then they're afraid they're gonna lose their position and they're gonna get really rusty like swimming as well. Mm-hmm. If they stop doing it, what's gonna happen? So that's the, that's the issue with one-sport athletes. I think we have like the overuse injuries, but then the other problem is um, the psychological burnout, and then they're losing their fun, they're losing their balance. They're mm-hmm. like, I wanna be with my friends, I'm not hanging out with my friends, right? Um, and then again, we're we going back to the um, injury perspective. Right and the, and and stress and tiredness and that also can lead to an injury when you're feeling when you're tired.
0: Absolutely, yeah, we see that a lot, um, and yeah, stress can increase your pain levels. Um, yeah, it can lead to injury. Um, you're not going to recover properly. Yeah, that, that's a great point. It's definitely. Uh, early specialization in, in sport is a big topic in the sports medicine world. Um, and it sounds like it is in, in the, the sports psychology world as well.
1: Right, right. So, uh, and, and some, quite frankly, some colleges like well-rounded, you know, I know many coaches who are at the division level that would rather have a multi-sport athlete, you know? Right. So I think it's, be, I think you it, you have to, walk the line of whether how many sports do you play because we all know like even my you know my kids do select baseball but they're also doing basketball and I'm worried I think we talked earlier I'm a little concerned too that if baseball is their main sport I don't want them getting injured right in a sport like basketball basketball because it is rough you know and 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 then skiing, you know, throwing skiing involved and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, like I am so scared when I see my kids going out." I'm like, "No blacks, you know, because I don't want them to get hurt." So I I don't want to live I don't want to be fearful, but I am cautious because I've also had major injuries in my life that um that last have a lasting effect on me. Even me going down a mountain, I'm scared because of the lasting effect, the trauma from dislocating my shoulder and my ACL. I think it's Stuck in my brain, quite frankly, um, because of those traumatic things that have happened to me, you know, in my career. So, you know, I think being mindful of not overdoing it, you know, and I do think sometimes parents, parents are not really reflecting too much on themselves. To be honest, this is a piece that I I wouldn't want to talk about. Is parents a lot of times they're projecting their own um, childhood. Uh, issues onto their kids. For example, the parent who never really cared about sports, and so they never really were there, or they never like encouraged them, or when this child maybe quit, the parent was like, "No, stick it out." And so sometimes they bring in that, and they're kind of pushing it onto their kid, and the kids are like, "You know, no, I really don't want to do this anymore." You know, but the parent is like, "No, no, no, you're doing it." And then I get like, "Okay, I can't, I can't force you." but i do get parents who w- want to make their kids do the sports when the kids are not really wanting to do that so and i wonder why you know it's most kids are going to be done but it should be about fun but sometimes i don't think it's about fun i think it's because it's their they're so consumed in their identity you know and such as like the single sport athlete the gymnast you know the competitive cheerleader the swimmer if 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 they're only doing one sport and and they've done it their whole life. It also becomes their psychological identity and their friendships. Mm. So if they pull out, so I think it's, I think my job gets a little bit. It's complicated to know when. When do you walk away or when do you stick it out? Sometimes. What are the pros and cons psychologically and physically? You know, and and I feel like with sports like gymnastics, um, it's really hard on the body. And then, like you look at what happens later in life. With like Simone or people who are really competing on a higher level, there's also a level of exploitation there's secondary gain going on right you know, and like why are you know why do you push your your mind and body of what is the point like what is the value of it? I think I like to investigate a lot is what is your why a lot you know and 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 my athletes who I work with I feel like. What I'm excited about is I think parents are seeing that I'm like cross-training them into being like a mentally tough or happier person, and the sport is almost like a little bit of the vehicle to that, to -hmm. where they want to go. So we're saying, you know, like being able to speak in public, or taking the SATs, or performance anxiety, right? And then um, and having the balance of life is is you know is something that I work with. So,
0: right, yeah, there's there's a lot there. Um so as as parents and excuse me as parents and coaches and and supporters of these athletes we need to encourage them to be a little more well-rounded and um also share with them that it's okay if you take a little time off from baseball and play some basketball you know you're not going to fall behind actually you're probably going to come out better because of it um and I know that's probably not the message that they get from the select baseball coach right because that coach I, I don't want to say they're exploiting the, the athlete but you know they're a baseball coach and they want them in baseball and they want them to be the best baseball player they can be right there's also money involved with it and that can complicate things but right as parents you know what what can we do how can we help these kids well
1: that's tricky I mean because my kids are in select baseball and 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 I think there are some coaches that do encourage other sports like i do i do. I, th- I think there are some coaches that are kind of territorial especially when you get in high school and they don't really want them to play other sports but there are some coaches who do see the value in playing other sports and don't penalize um but if if a kid if a kid you know i think because my kids are like baseball like they you don't want to fall too behind so whereas i think like my, co- my son's coach do a good job with not overdoing it because like throwing, for example, like they pull players out if their, if their pitch counts too high. It's good So there are parents that do see the development um, before, before the, um, the win at- all cost mentality. but there are a lot more with the win at all cost mentality, right, right you know, and we have to be an advocate for our child, you know and that's kind of where I can come in too, is that I can support the parents. Because number one I've played all throughout and I have that understanding. and I'm in the, I'm in the world of athletics now in the baseball world especially. but I think sometimes parents want their kids to be super amazing now, but they're not seeing long term. Yeah. So I'd rather my kids like enjoy the sport and not be so burnt out mm-hmm. and like kind of grow and develop and peak like later. But some parents are just now more, 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 and then what happens? Sometimes when they get in high school, they're tired. They're just like, I don't want yeah. to do it anymore. I don't want to I don't want to be that parent that are on my kids all the time. Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you doing that? Because it really, in order to be at a high level, really in, I mean, college or professional, it's already, it's already in their destiny. Like, right. I'm sorry, but it's really not us. It's them. So, (laughs) there's only so much that we can guide. Um, So, I I think parents need to pull back, quite frankly. And then I think also they need to talk to their kids about career at a younger age. Oh, okay. Like, they need to start doing that. Like, I do all the time. You know, my kids are interested in medicine, and we talk about real estate, you know, finance. Um, You know, my, my son's interested in being a surgeon, and he's a very good athlete. But, If he says, mom, I don't want to play sports anymore, there's no doubt I'd feel disappointed, but it's not really my life. And I know to be a medical doctor, like you have to have like super off the chart, like straight A's. If a parent, all they do is talk about sports, 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 what are you telling your athlete? That I care more about your, you know, versus academic or being playful with your kid and, and, and going out and just not talking about sports. So I think I think our parents, our culture is driving um, a lot of pressure on our kids. It's driving some more injuries because we're developing the unisport athlete at young a young age, this early sport specialization. Uh, so I think there's some things that we all need to be a little more cautious about, and it's more about the psycho psychological identity that we need to focus on a little more than just the technical and the um, physical aspects.
0: Yeah, that is great. That is really, really good. Um, we're going to shift gears a little bit here. Um, so we've all heard about um, visualization, the power of visualization. So tell us what that is and, and how that helps.
1: Well, since since I've been in college, I, well, since I've been in graduate school, I've been enthralled with success, right? I mean, that's pretty much all I do is study success. All I do is I read about people who've been successful, um, my books that I read is what makes someone successful and happy. And I think if you look at the key ingredients, they've all seen things happen way in advance. If you look at Novak Djokovic, he was holding the Wimbledon trophy, I think when he was like a, a in Serbia, like when he was twelve. You know, wow. if if you asked Manu Ginobili, I think he said he was gonna win three world championships before when he got drafted. Wow. So I don't think that it's all just random. I think that people put it in the universe and a lot of things manifest in the universe things that have happened to me I said when I was 21 that I was going to achieve this goal and I saw it happening I saw me doing you know having interviews speaking and you know I saw that happening I saw uh, 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 and, and it's not I don't think it's really hokey a lot of people think oh it's hokey but I think that whatever you feed yourself in your brain is more likely to happen, yeah. right? And I think when, when I was having a, a child, I really, really visualized having twins. I saw literally it happening in my body. I visualized the eggs and, and then I visualized having two boys. <laughs> so I, I, I visualized things that, so I think that, and it was, and it was fu- funny because yesterday my son was playing a baseball game and and he didn't have a great hitting performance his first game, and he comes to me, and I'm like, hey, you know, we talked, we will give him a snack. And he goes, Mom, he goes, I'm going three for three this game. Nice. And, you know, and I'm not huge on outcome goals and necessarily, right. but he goes, Mom, I'm hitting for three for three. I said, okay. I said, he'll have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he hits three for three. Wow. And then his fourth at bat, he gets hit by a ball. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so technically
1: he got four for four for hit by pitch. But he, when he goes, Mom, I told you. And I, told, I said, see what happens when you speak things in the universe. I go, when you put things in the universe, you want to feed what you want to happen, not what you don't want to happen. You know. So we think about the psychology of visualization of an injury. Well, if you think about cancer survivors or people who overcome they weren't usually these stressed out negative people if you think about when they've overcome usually it's fight it's resilience they you can even visualize cells in your body breaking down i mean it's pretty cool what you can do if you have a broken bone you can actually visualize the bone healing and recalcification around it so I think that if you have the right mindset, you have a positive attitude, you reduce your stress level and, hor- and stress hormones, right? And then if you have a positive attitude and you visualize, oh, like I want to be back in 6-7 months. And you say I'm going to do this and you see yourself and you put it on the calendar like 6-7 months I'm coming back from it. So you're seeing it, you're putting it in the universe. You're it's like a magnet. And then every day, that's what happened with my ACL. Like every day, I worked three days a week. I drove, and, and having a great, you know, physical therapist is also very important. Having someone that you actually look forward to going, <laughs> having a positive coach, having a positive parent will all help, you know, the person coming back from an injury. So I think visualization is a super fantastic um, way to help promote um, healing.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, the the mind is so powerful, and. and we will never fully understand it. Um, and, and so yeah, I, I absolutely believe that uh, visualizing something can really help manifest it. That is really cool. Um, so other than visualization, you know, what else can an athlete do that's, you know, maybe they're overcoming an injury or, or maybe even, uh, you know, just some sort of like, you know, mental roadblock, um, but they're they're struggling. So what can an athlete do to get back to performing, um, at the level that they're used to performing at or performing at an even higher level?
1: Well, I think one thing that I think I want to share for people who are listening is that injuries are inevitable yeah I mean you're putting your body at a very stressful you know whatever it is so it could be a broken finger you know it can be a torn ACL okay um, it's there some it's difficult right but I think sharing my story I think is helpful because a lot of athletes go oh you've been through it right so there's one thing is when I broke my ankle when I was 14 I've never had an issue with that ankle I've never had an issue since, and I'm 48, and I've been playing a million sports at a high level. So once that ankle healed, it never re-injured it. Okay, so the power of the body to heal itself doesn't mean that you're gonna have another injury. Number two was my ACL tear. That was a very rough time. Okay, because I tore it when I was voted captain of my volleyball team, the first practice. And there were roadblocks. Number one, it was misdiagnosed. Okay, so it was misdiagnosed. My dad was kind of stubborn and didn't take me for a second opinion. And then it rebuckled And my roadblock was, I was out my f- senior f- volleyball, my senior basketball, and then I played my softball season. I re-injured it, mm. and then I finally got, so I think a, a, an issue with, is getting quality care. Because there are good and bad in every profession. And I want to I want to be very frank. Is that I know a lot of good people in the city, and I know people that like, for example, are there. There are physicians that are extremely surgical happy. They want to do surgery, and it's not always the best course of treatment. You know, um, sometimes the body can heal itself. You know, so I think it's important that you go with your instincts too. So if you go to a, a, you go to a doctor and the doctor says, we need to do surgery, but you're in your mind, you're, as a parent, you're feeling, oh, I don't know if I want this or I'm, I'm not feeling right about it. That's why I say get a second or a third opinion. Come to me ask, me, ask me, who I also know, because I do a lot of athletes from the professional to the Olympic, and I know, and, or physical therapists, um, other friends who've had successful surgeries, Doing your home homework, you know, coming back from injury and the roadblocks from injuries is a complicated process. It's finding the right circle of care number is super important. Yeah. Because if you have a poor surgery, the physical therapist may not even be able to help so much. And I've had athletes come in and I'm my like I've torn my labrum, I've had ACL, I've you know broken my ghost. So I know a lot about physical injuries and I ask the questions. And I'm like, oh gosh, I don't think that sounds right to me, like honestly. And I said, I think you need another opinion. And they're gonna do redo your x-rays, just get used to it. Be used to spending money. <laughs> <laughs> and they go in like, oh my gosh, like Dr. J, like I can't believe it, like I should not be doing what I'm doing, like you saved my life. Another great story is I had um, the idea of the yips um, with throwing, okay, mm-hmm. that's a very complicated or, uh, concept. It's usually um, injuries. It's a lot of pressure. It's a, it's, and uh, I had an athlete come in struggling um, with throwing um, accuracy. And because I know it's complicated, I asked the question, I said, do you have any pain in your, in your throwing elbow or your shoulder? And he's like, yes. And I said, well, tell me more about it. Where did it come from? What's your pain scale? And he told me it was like, his shoulder was loose. And I'm like, okay, tore my labrum. I had a loose capsule. And he tells me that the old school model, right, is that most parents and coaches suck it up, fight through it. So many athletes don't even know their pain scale. They don't know if it's soreness right. or pain or when to quit. And that's, a very, that's complicated. I know my sons sure are going through that, right? They don't know if it's pain or soreness and when to fight through it. So that's, that's a whole other level um so so with this athlete he um i talked to him more and he said his shoulder was loose and i said i brought in the parent and i think i think your your son needs to go to a see a doctor and get an mri because the mri is the only way to really know what's really going on right so she's like, and I, and I go, I think that people have been minimizing his injury. And I think that's the cause of his um, throwing issue. And I said, and the other thing is, I go, he has tryouts <laughs> in a couple days. Oh, uh, yeah. So when a tryout comes, you want to impress. You know, you want to show off. And my concern, if they go to a tryout and they overthrow, you're going to make that injury worse. Right. So I don't think that's, in my opinion, that is not a good scenario right Right. There. So, referred him to someone that I felt was a good, a professional in the community. It turns out that he had a um, labral tear, uh, slap tear, which I kind of thought was the issue. Surgery within a week. Well, what happened in that whole? It was me as a sports psychologist, the one that was initiating the, the referral for medical.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and out for his baseball season, but he'll be back as a quarterback in the fall and now i know that the origin was probably physical that was causing the psychological issue so as he rehabs and gets his arm strength now we have a blank slate to build on you know so so there's a lot of roadblocks and that obstacles that can be avoided if we have this knowledge and this conversation that we're having right now
0: yeah that's great a lot of parents are
1: probably thinking, oh, my gosh, like, wow. <laughs> like, probably yeah. needed to hear this yeah. when my kid is suffering. And listen to your kid, you know, because a lot of times you're like, oh, you're fine. But they could not be fine, and they're playing on a broken a uh, 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 fracture, and and it's worse. So I think we need to listen to our children more, and sometimes I'd rather go to a doctor and get checked out than just keep playing on it and playing on it playing on it. So I think we, as parents, sometimes we... And coaches, we minimize our kids' feelings sometimes, and we kind right. of invalidate what they're feeling.
0: Right. Yeah, definitely. And and one of the things that I've learned, and I'm trying to be much better about, is using the powerful question of, tell me more. My kid comes to me with something, or my athlete, you know, my client, um, mentions something. Well, tell me more about that. And that can open up the conversation and we can really get to the root of of what's going on yeah um, yeah
1: you listen to your kid
0: absolutely right absolutely of
1: a closed-ended question you know an open-ended statement or can get more from your child
0: right and a lot of times as parents um our initial reaction is to try and fix the issue immediately you know that that's a that is a large role as a Mm -hmm. parent but that's not always the best initial response right right sometimes we need to dig deeper and learn more Mm -hmm. before we help guide our our athlete or our child to the solution
1: yeah and i think like like a for example an injured shoulder i mean parents want their kids back on that field quickly or whatever that is but that's not always the best approach it's better to wait and really fully recover and heal and i think the fear of re-injury because you know your body like any, like, I know when someone asks me, how do you know when you're ready? I'm like, you know when you're ready, for, like you know. No doctor mm-hmm. also knows. They tell you, but you have to know. Like, when I, when I was back, um, coming back from my ACL as a middle infielder, you're doing, you're doing a lot of agility and pivoting side to side. And, you know, when, when I was doing the training exercises, I could feel when I was going sliding left to right that I wasn't ready. And you know your your quads and your hamstrings take a long time, and so when I felt really ready, then I knew that I could go back. But yeah. I wasn't I wasn't going back until I was really ready. And I think we have to be very careful, because sometimes our coaches want to throw you in and you're not ready. Or concussions. I mean, it's terrible sometimes. What's a whole other topic of yeah. coaches is that you know get back in the game and they're like com- completely have a concussion going on there, and they're like and coaches call them names you know and even parents they, they they just minimize it and they're struggling and these kids are angry they feel used you know it's so we need to care more about the best interests of our children and long-term benefits than just you know get in the game and win at all costs because at least a lot of psychological problems and anger in that kid
0: right yeah that is so true um, so, a, as we 're closing here, uh, do you have any any final thoughts or any uh, anything coming up soon that you want us to know about any special <laughs> events or or uh, things on the horizon for you dr jay yes
1: yeah, so i 'm um, so glad to be on this podcast <laughs> because I was thinking about how am I going to leave how am I going to help more people? you know and I think that yes, cost is an issue, um, time sacrifice coming into my office pe- parents don 't have a lot of time. To do that, and that's another issue is time. You know, to come see a sports psychologist. When are we going to do it? When we have our kids after school going to games and stuff. So I was thinking also about writing a book, and especially called the car ride home, uh, was my title. With like, how do you talk to your kids after games? How do parents communicate? And that's a hard question. You know, I know I struggle as a parent, what to say or not to say, and not trying to control and give them the answers all the time. So um, because of these awesome podcasts, I think we're able to you know, help a lot more people. Uh, so I decided to, do my own podcast called Getting Gritty by Dr. J. Um, and we're gonna start producing uh, episodes in the next few weeks. And the podcast is going to be on topics like this, exactly what we're talking about with coming back from injuries to the mental health of our, our athletes, to the mental health of our parents, and it's also creating an atmosphere of like success, success and happiness with everyday people, and I'm hopefully going to have like professional, um, you know, baseball players and golfers um, to everyday parents talking about their struggles. Uh, so when you're sitting at, you know, in the car waiting for your volleyball player outside the gym because you don't want to go home and do errands, you can actually hopefully, you know, learn learn a lot. So um, we'll have like a baseball series, a swimming series, we'll probably have different sports and um, talking about success and uh, everything related to mental health and, and, and happiness and life. So um, really excited about that podcast.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I, I can't wait to listen. That's going to be great. <laughs> Thank you. So Thank Getting you. Gritty with Dr. J. Getting
1: Gritty. Coming soon. Yes.
0: Awesome. Okay. So um, <laughs> if, uh, if, if parents or coaches or, or anybody wants to get in contact with you, um, how do they do that?
1: Yeah, so I mean, um, my website is Texas Center for Sports Psychology dot com. I mean, honestly, if you type in sports psychology in San Antonio, I come up. Um, um, or you can just call me at two one zero eight four five zero five two two. So my website, um, you can text me, you can find me on the internet. But I really, I really encourage it because I really think that our kids' happiness is everything. You know, and your happiness is everything. Uh, your relationship with your children is everything. So, I just think it's a nice, um, a nice and, I, and I tell my kids that when they have me now at 13, I love it when they come back at 25 or 30 because they know that they've developed someone they can trust and they can talk to about everything. You know, So I think I wish I would have had that when I was younger. So I think the connection I have at, as, their, at, as a parent, you'll feel better when they go off to college that they know that they can talk to someone even in their future because it's a struggle. It's a hard life out there, you know, having someone to help them through it. So I encourage parents to just, you know, call me and, you know, um, reach out with any questions.
0: That's great. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. This was a a really great discussion, an important one, Um, and I, I think we all learned quite a lot from it. So thank you so much. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Elevating Athletes podcast. Please support us by subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends and family. See you on our next episode.